Welcome to the Life Change Podcast. Panhandle Weight Loss Center is a unique surgical practice focused on changing lives. Our approach moves away from the singular goal of weight loss and encompasses one of overall health and wellness. This podcast explores a variety of topics inside the realm of health and wellness, including nutrition, fitness, lifestyle issues, and even surgery. The goal of this program is to inspire listeners to take a critical review of your life as we guide you towards a paradigm that translates to life change. Hey guys, it's uh, Dr. Blue and Dr. Bo today. Uh, we're going to talk about farming. Uh, Dr. Blue's backgrounds in farming, grew up farming. I'll let him give his testimony on that. Uh, I don't know how he ended up in medicine. I guess he'll tell us a little bit about that too. But uh, from that, uh, just a continued interest in farming and continues farming mm-hmm. and just uh, an interest on, on the future of farming and where that leads us to and how that ties in with our health, wellness, and weight loss journey. Good to be back, Bo. All right. We you usually drop in about 30 minutes into a podcast, so it's good to have you from the start. No, I've got I've to think of a lot of things to say for a whole hour. Okay. Um, no, I love this. This is, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. I uh, grew up on a farm up in Dalhart, Texas, and I always tell anyone that meets me that's, that's my second love. Um, first love your wife. Yes. Yep. Love, love Jesus. Love my wife. How about instant? My third yeah. love. I am third. Yeah. Can of cut philosophy. Um, I, I went into medicine because I loved science and I love people. Farming is one of those things that uh, if you farm for very long, there are certain things that frustrate you about it. It's the weather. It's unpredictable. Um, you can grow a great crop and then at the end of the season you get held out. So, I'd gotten tired of that in, in high school, seeing that happen. And, and so I went off to, to do medicine, but I'm fine and I'm circling back. I love farming and what we do every day. Cause you know, helping patients be healthy, lose weight. I think it tire, ties back to farming because I think a lot of our medical issues, most of our medical issues in America and across the world is coming from how we're growing our food and how we're growing it. I think we can do a better job. Um, also I think, you know, we take that, the food that we grow and we process it. Um, we rip all the nutrients out of it and, and then we're left with a processed food product that's not real healthy. And so let's talk about all that. Well, where should we dive in at? Do you want to mm-hmm. dive into explaining kind of, uh, current farming and ranching techniques mm-hmm. and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there or with yeah. the average, I'm not, we don't want to throw anybody under the bus here, but you know, what is the average way a, you know, corn comes to your plate or a yeah. piece of beef comes to your plate? Um, boy, I tell you a, a real good book that sums this all up. Um, as we're talking, I'll look it up, but it kind of gives a good explanation of all the different ways that we farm. And so I want to kind of just give a history. Let's think back, you know, thousand, 2000 years ago, and we play the going into the past song. <laughs> so we, we were, we grew our own food. We raised our own animals. It was something that we, as a, as a family, uh, you produced everything or most everything that you ate and you knew where it came from. Uh, you knew, um, the soil that it was growing on, uh, what the animals ate. And then let's fast forward to after world war two. I think that's when everything really changed. 
Because we had to change for the war, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. A lot of the process, so a lot of the science and technology came out of World War II, such as um, basically creating um, anhydrous ammonia or the, I think it's the Haber, it? let me think of that process, but basically it takes atmospheric nitrogen and converts it into a nitrate form or ammonia form and therefore uh, a fertilizer. For yeah. So I think crops. the history of that's actually pretty interesting. So they, mm -hmm. they had to make munitions uh, for the war. So they had to ramp up bullet production and, you know, explosive production. And all of a sudden the war's over and you have all these factories set up to deal with nitrogen to make explosives and, um, you know, and, and, you know, munitions in general. So they're kind of scratching their head like, hey, we've sourced all this. We have the factories. What do we do with it? Right. So they had all this cheap nitrogen after the war. And so at that time, there was kind of two things going on. One is an explosion of, of population growth. Uh, baby boomer, boomers, for example, after World War II. Um, and that just happened all across the world. And we went, um, particularly, we were starting to be told that, you know, if the population keeps growing expon exponentially across the world, we're not going to be able to feed everyone. And so the agriculture industry, industry, you know, stepped up to the plate and said, hey, we can do this. So let's use, you know, technology such as producing fertilizer. Let's look at seed technology. And that's what started the green, what we call the green revolution. And uh, all across the world, this started happening. And, you know, yields went up two or three fold, um, wheat yields, corn yields. Um, and so they were basically agriculture or farmers were able to produce um, enough food to, to meet the pace of the population growth. Now, in retrospect, um, I think there was a cost that came with that. And well, that's I mean, where... Yeah, we saw it. I mean, living here in the Panhandle, we should know very well the cost of commercial farming, right? I mean, the Dust Bowl, hmm. uh, pretty good example of, you know, overtilling, overutilizing land, not paying attention to restoration and regeneration of the land. Just, just beat it till it's dead, right? Yep. And I think, I think also, you know, and this is where we're going to kind of go into some more details and, and, and I think controversial topics because uh, when we talk about these things such as, you know, GMOs, uh, organic versus, versus conventional, regenerative farming, all these different buzzwords that are out there, um, you know, as what we're going to try to do today is is kind of play, I'm going to tell you the, the pros and the cons from a farming perspective, but then also from a health perspective. And I think what you and I talk about a lot is, is we've seen this huge increase in obesity um, across America and locally in, our pop, in, in all our patients. And what's driving this? And I think a lot of it comes back to, you know, how are we growing our food? But more particularly, what are we doing to our food after it's grown um, to add things to it, such as, you know, preservatives, sugar, process it. And then when that gets in our body, um, it causes a lot of the, the changes that are, we're seeing and leads to a lot of overconsumption, but malnourishment truly in, in us. And so we can kind of go into that. Basically, our body's not getting what it needs from what we're eating.
Yeah, so we I have to consume a lot. I think we've explained that before, the overfed but undernourished yeah. issues uh, that we get we get plenty of food, just not enough quality food. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yep, exactly. Okay. Well, you covered a lot of territory there. So which one do you want to backtrack to? So what I want to go back to is is let's just talk about the current state of how we produce food, uh, how things kind of go. You know, let's, for example... Um, well, just why don't you just tell us about your farm yeah. growing up um, or past 10 years and then kind of what your thoughts are about that form. So just kind of explain your process yeah. right now. So or right I now, guess, I guess our, I mean, I, yeah, we got some farmland yeah. together. So right now I'd say our farms are conventional farms, uh, which means that mostly producing corn, uh, whether it be for grain or silage, uh, which usually all that corn goes to cattle and helping uh, finish them as far as uh, meat. Uh, also, we grow wheat, which ultimately turns into, gets turned into bread. Um, so that's where our farm is now. Now, we use traditional herbicides, pesticides, uh, we use some GMOs, uh, Roundup Ready corn, for example. Uh, and so that's our current model on our farm. Now, we, an organic farm, let's, let's kind of contrast that against an organic farm versus a regenerative farm. Okay? An organic farm is producing the same products, uh, such as corn, but also a lot of vegetables, and not using any... Uh, weed killers, not using any insect killers, just letting it grow um, without any of that technology. Now, the benefits is we are starting to see a lot of these pesticides, uh, herbicides like Roundup, for example, um, that when you put it on a plant, ultimately those chemicals are ending up in our bodies at some point. And there can be, you know, there's the debate of, well, there's such, there's such minute, you know, diluted quantity that it's not really an issue. But I think there are, there is some data to start showing that, nah, we need to rethink that. And I think particularly Roundup uh, is where a lot of the uh, data is starting to come out. Um, I, I had a podcast with Chad Schoonover on beef, and we were talking about Roundup. And there's data to show that basically in urine samples, uh, it can be up to 80% of us is excreting Roundup in our urine. Um, that can be, I've seen even higher than that. So uh, there's some health health effects of that. Um, now, another farm we'll talk about is regenerative farming, and that's kind of a new um, concept uh, that, that that's being, you know, tried across America. I think Gabe Brown is, is I'd put him as, one of the fathers of uh, a regenerative farming and, and what it is is basically it's organic okay they pretty much you know don't use pesticides or herbicides but it's all about they have like six principles um but essentially trying to get it Can back. Look those up? yeah actually i'll do them from i'll, I'll, I'll kind of from memory uh biggest thing is you know no till they don't they don't uh till the ground the soil it's all about creating soul health, and the way to do it is through these principles. So you don't disturb the soul. Uh, when you do that, it, it kills a lot of the, the microbes and fungi that's in the soul, which gives it life. Number two, 
is you introduce diversity into the the plant or plant diversity in that soil. So you try to get it back to kind of the native species. Um, they can plant up to, you know, anywhere from 10 to 12 or 15, 20 uh, species in the, in the soil. You also keep plants roots in the ground all year round. Um, and what that, the whole, the whole concept is, is the soil has a lot of microbes that, that you've got to have living organisms, living roots in that soil to, to feed them. And it creates this symbiotic relationship and, and it really allows a lot of the micronutrients to be released in the soil. And I think let's, let's stop there. Cause I think that's the most important. This is what got me interested in farming. Uh, I mean, I knew you were a farmer and I, I mean, I knew, you know, about farming and I knew about traditional techniques. <clears throat> and then I watched uh, a documentary because that's what changes everybody's life, a documentary. Kiss the ground. Kiss the ground. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just th- that's where I first heard of Gabe Brown. Uh, and just it, I, I was looking at watching this documentary from a, from a perspective of, of health and unwellness and and, you know, trying to to pull some pieces from that. And the thing that struck me the most was soil bacteria and, and fungus in the soil. Uh, or as Dr. Blue calls it, soul. Um, and the process of getting nutrients and micronutrients into a piece of grass that an animal is going to eat or we're going to eat that vegetable has so much to do with the bacteria and the fungus that are in the soil. And so it, it attaches to the root. And what are the, what are the nodules called? The mycorrhizal nodules. Uh-huh. Yes. There's a word. I can't think of it. But through that, it forms this symbiosis with all of the other roots and all of the other bacteria. And that's physically what transports nutrients into the, the vegetables we eat, the grass that our cows eat or sheep or pigs or whatever. So if you're missing that, like they're eating grass, they're eating those things, but there's nothing in those things. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can say the same thing about us. I'm eating that broccoli, but there's nothing in it. Right. I'm trying to eat healthy, but I'm not getting what I should. And I may be getting trace amounts. So I have to eat like eight times more broccoli. I got to eat two times more beef. I got to eat, you know, this excessive amount to get the same nutrients that were found in those plants 50 years ago, you know, from from one serving of that. And that's what struck me the, the most. And right. And I think all these other things you're describing which I looked it up. It says five tenets. Yeah, Did he uh, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I thought you said six. No, so like, there's a context. Oh, context. Yeah. Okay. And um, I think all these things you're describing up to that point is what preserves that, right? So you think about farming and the panhandle, there's no topsoil, right? Would you say, what would you say? We're losing a lot of it. Um, I think we're getting better principles now of trying to do some more no-till, keep ground cover, uh, but, you know, when we have these dirt storms, you see, you know, sand and, and dirt blowing around. That's because we, we're leaving ground bare. And when we do that, we lose some topsoil. And, and when you lose the topsoil, you lose the fungus. Yeah. You lose the bacteria. When you don't have roots in the ground, mm-hmm. you're losing dirt. Yeah. Right. And so you, you think about a farmer goes out and buy a piece of land. What's he buying? He's right. Buying that top is he buying square? Is he buying acres or is he? buying dirt, you know? And to me, that like really, really struck me as, 
something that you know I'd never considered, I'd never thought about, and I, I mean, I think I came to the clinic the next day and I was like blue. And I love it. This and so, farming stuff is more interesting than I thought. No, and what I want to comment. So you know, there's some, uh, there's a great organization that's been looking at this um, as far as nutrient density in our plants related to how healthy the soil is. And they've basically, they've came up with this uh, nutrient density measuring device uh, that basically they have been looking at carrots, they've been looking at all these vegetables, and they've seen a 90-fold difference in beta carotene, for example, or vitamin A, or iron. And it all goes back to um, soil health. And if you've got a healthy soul that has all those microbes that are working together, they release that nutrients where the plant can take it up. And therefore, like you mentioned, your, your broccoli's a lot healthier for you. You're getting the nutrition that you need. And so I think it, it really sums up that as farmers, uh, we know for a fact that in America our nutrient density in our foods has went down i think i've seen anywhere from 40 to 50 percent uh in most most things like vitamins and minerals and so what we're eating now today doesn't have what it used to 100 years ago and so how can we change our farming techniques where we can get our food healthier more nutrient dense and without all the stuff in it that that it provides our body what it needs and i think that we're right now in america that's that's our one of our big issues and i think farmers i think they're what i love is they're they love to be the hero they love to step up to the 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 plate and uh really deliver and i think that they're they're actually um i think some of the best um ecologists or conservationists uh, they just have to be made aware of, of, of these things. Now, the problem is, is, you know, when you grow that corn out there, they're not paying you for nutrient density. They're paying you for yield. And, and so our system's kind of set up to just produce quantity, not quality. And, and that's part of what we need, need to change is, is being able to pay farmers for quality, not quantity, where they can focus on their soul health. That's my opinion. Sounds like you need to create the quality food exchange market. Well, and I think, I think, you know, going back to that nutrient density, uh, measuring device, I think one day we're going to be at a point where you go through the grocery store and your iPhone looks at something. Yeah. And it'll be able to tell you based off five different apples, which one has the most nutrient dense density of, of those, uh, you know, minerals that's, that's going to be such a backlog at the grocery store. I think it's busy now. You're going to have like, you know, 10 people at True. the apple aisle, like scanning <laughs> apples. And, um, well, let's, so let's go back to the five principles and then let's go back and talk about the difference between regenerative agriculture, organic and conventional, you know, can, and then what those things mean for people that eat those things. Yeah. So let's finish the five principles of regenerative Agriculture. So we said no-till, uh, keep living roots in the soil. Ground covered. Ground covered. Diversity. Um, in also, plant and animal. Correct. So yeah. a, a part of the the tenets is, is getting animals back on the land. Uh, because, for example, you put a, 
a cow out on that cover crop, uh, diver- diverse cover crop um, uh, species, then when that cow's eating all that, it's recycling those nutrients and turn it into manure, which then starts a whole cascade of feeding the microbes in the soil and making that all healthier. And so animals is part of that rotation. Um, what's the other one? Uh, keep So there's no-till, minimal till, keep the ground covered, mm-hmm. diversity in plant and animal species, keep living roots in the soil as much as possible. So even when you harvest, don't, don't till up the roots. And the importance of integrating animals. Yeah. The last one I said, the sixth one was context. That a lot of this, um, it, you have to, to use your environment and be logical about it. Um, meaning that you can't, for example, when we're, we're semi-arid here, you can't do a lot of things that you could do when you get 50 inches of rain in a certain environment. Does that make sense? So yeah. that's what well, I mean, I think, about. you know, we can, we can, uh, come back to this later uh, if we have time. Just your recent kind of excursion into that. Um, so now let's uh, let's. So we've talked about regenerative agriculture and what it means for the quality mm-hmm. of the foods. Compare that to organic. Okay. So this is this is a key thing because you can grow vegetables organically, but to do that, yes, it doesn't have all the toxins and pesticides and herbicides, but your soil can still be dead. Yeah, bad. Because a lot of the organically grown vegetables, they're tilling the soil a lot. They're uh, breaking a lot of these regenerative principles. Um, And yes, there's no toxins, but when they've looked at a lot of these organically grown vegetables, they aren't necessarily more nutrient dense, okay? And so I think you have to, um, we have to be wise about that. Just because it's organic doesn't mean it's the the most nutrient dense. I would say, uh, for example, regeneratively grown with high quality soil health, um, you're usually not using any of those pesticides and herbicides, so technically you're organic, but you're producing a, a, a more lively soil that therefore leads to more nutrient-dense um, food products such as carrots and things like that. So that's one thing. Um, now, I'm a big, big fan of organic, but when you go through the grocery store, you don't see anything regeneratively grown. Well, that's it's not, a, a new, it's not an advertisable label correct. at this point. Correct. You, can't, you can't charge a dollar extra per whatever because it's regeneratively grown. There's no label. So, I mean, you're usually going to get it at the farmer's market or mm-hmm. direct to consumer. You got to do the old Google search. Yeah, it's more just uh, mom and pop uh, farms. Um, you know, we've we've experimented with quite a few like Alder Springs, Joyce Farms, um, Seven Sons. Um, we missing any? Um, yeah, White, uh, White Oak. White Oak. Uh, pastures. Um, Man, there's I mean, some. I have some a whole list on my computer. There. I put yeah. that list together, but uh, I do not recall it at the top of my head. Yeah, those are um, those are great farms to buy from. Um, but I know this, for example, just personal testimony. When I started uh, eating these regeneratively grown products, particularly <clears throat> a lot of these are, for example, um, 
one of my favorites is from Joyce Farms. It's a Poulet Rouge chicken. It's a heritage chicken uh, grown regeneratively. And the flavor profile, once you eat that, you can't go back. I mean, it is it just mind-blowing how good it is as far it's as like chicken goes. Chicken, chicken's supposed to taste. He, exactly. and Opposite of everything, you know, tastes like chicken, <laughs> which means it tastes like nothing. Um, same thing with pork, same thing with beef. Um, it just has a, a, it's, you can tell the quality is so much better. Um, so I think it's wise for us to teach all our patients that food's not just food. When you go to the grocery store, I wish, I wish all of us could know where's my food coming from? Why is it wise to, you know, buy organic uh, why is it even, you know, more wise to find regeneratively grown? And because that ultimately, what we're, what I'm seeing is that's going to lead to a healthier body. We know if your soul's healthier, it leads to healthier plants, more nutrient dense. When the animal consumes that, they're healthier. And, and there's actually a study going on that they're looking at all this. And then it translates to, um, as a, as a human, we're healthier. Our inflammation's down. Um, it, it just, a lot but, of benefits. But to tie it all back, this, the story is human health is tied to soil health. Absolutely. And how we grow things. And poor soil equals poor quality human. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it was interesting this weekend. I was, uh, I guess last weekend, I was riding through the panhandle with a large-scale cattle owner. Um, and we just got to talking about, you know, all the environmental uh, discussions going along with cattle right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's too many cattle. They're they're letting gas go into the environment. It's killing it's killing the world, right? Which so, is so untrue. I, I so get passionate about this. Yeah, that's where they that's that's where this conversation went. And uh, and so you know because he's uh, you know very involved in the cattle industry. I was it's like how many cows are are in the United States right now? I think ninety million is what I. So it's thirty million. Yeah. 30 million cattle alive, and that's all stages, cow-calf operation, stock, uh, feedlot, at any one time. So so it's a ruminant, and they produce this gas, right? Mm-hmm. And so, we, you know, you think back else, you know, uh, throughout history, ruminants, you know, so buffalo is where this conversation went. Uh, so buffalo roaming through the, I mean, it's this is near and dear to us, you know, right here in the Panhandle, buffalo mm-hmm. roaming through here. At their peak herd sizes, what? How many buffalo do you think roam the plains of America? I heard a hundred to one hundred twenty million. Yeah. So at the minimum, ninety million. Yeah. Eating grass, farting. Yeah. Putting methane out into the. And did we? You know. So is it a cow problem? Is it a is it a ruminant problem? Um, and you just think about how those buffalo existed. You know, big tall grass come through, mow it down, pee poop, uh, and then move through grow back so the and and buffalo specifically don't chew down to the root right they move on neither do cows yeah right and uh they move on and then it grows back so you never lost root you never lost coverage um you just got covered more by pee and poop Mm -hmm. and then it grew back and then the same process happened probably twice a year right and you know i I would do anything to i mean actually i don't i don't want to be chased by people trying to kill me but uh just back then being like one of the first out here to see this area yeah. 
uh, at that time and just how amazing it would be. Uh, and I heard just, the grass was like waist high or, or higher. It's just beautiful. Yeah, we'll have to get into our teleportation device <laughs> once again. Do, do, do. Uh, but, you know, just thinking about regenerative farming, it yeah. just, I just think about buffalo. Like, and I know those days are gone. We got barbed wire fences up and landowners and refusals and people that don't agree and things of that nature. But if you were to treat your land in a similar manner, you know, what would it do to our health? Yeah. No, no, it's, uh, there, these, the cattle is a natural part of our ecosystem. And, um, that we didn't talk about this, but there's this new concept of rotational grazing, like you're alluding to that back in the day, these, these Buffalo wouldn't just obliterate the grass. They would chew it down and they'd move on. And what's been shown is when that happens, um, actually just a little stress on that grass causes it to grow 30% faster. It and uptake more nutrients. Correct. Right. And so you create this really good ecosystem of, of causing the plant stress. They grow faster. They need more um, symbiotic relationships with the fungi and the microbes in the soil. And it makes the whole system healthier. And, and, and by doing that, that extra growth pulls CO2 out of the atmosphere and stores it. And so this not just CO two nitrogen. This right. this is a huge way to help with quote unquote global warming, and it's not taking cattle out of the system. It's it's using them in a in a in a friendly way or a natural way to help uh, heal the system. And so, yeah, I, I'm. Well, we could go on for a couple more hours, but it's one twenty seven. <laughs> Clinic starts at one thirty. So any parting words? So I guess the big thing is, uh, and we won't get into the whole discussion about scalability mm-hmm. and, and availability. It's just something that multiple, you know, as a, as a population, we've got to show more interest in and got, we have to ask questions and start placing some demands on production. But I think that's years away, would you say? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that some, sum this up, farmers are awesome. Uh, they love not to biased, be, are you? No, I am yeah. a bias. They're they're innovative. They want to be good stewards. Uh, I think the hard part is how do we transition to growing, you know, more nutrient dense food, and our system right now is just not set up to do that. And and we need to change that. We need to reward farmers who are being more conscious of these things. I think, as far as consumers, we need to know where our food gro- is grown. I think. Um, you know, I've experienced personally when you buy regeneratively grown food, it the flavor profile is just off the charts. It's healthier for you, and so I think it starts with a consumer uh, wanting these products um, and and shopping for these products. And I think then the farmers will then figure out a way to meet the the the, the supply uh, to grow to to grow it in such a way. And so. Um, we could do another podcast. We've tried in our farm. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, it's, it's, it's got challenges to it. And I think uh, before it can be scaled, we have to have some of these changes is my thoughts. Okay. Changes it is. All right. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Bo. All right. See you guys next time. Bye.